Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Really glad you're hanging out with us today. Hey, if this is your first time joining us, we're, uh, we're really glad you're here. Or if you're someone who uh, downloads, subscribes every single episode, uh, also glad you're hanging out with us. We've got a great guest for you. We've got a, a buddy of mine that's going to be joining us here in just a second. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with my friend Mike Morrison from TheMembershipGuys.com. Now, if you are a speaker who is going, okay, I, I know that I'm, I'm doing a lot of speaking and I'd like to be able to build my business in other ways beyond the stage then uh, you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Mike today. So Mike is literally the membership guy of all membership people. He's the go-to guy that you really need to be learning from and paying attention to. So in today's conversation, we're going to be talking about exactly what memberships are, why they matter, why speakers should be paying attention to them, what they should be looking like, uh, some of the different tools and, and tricks of the trade of what speakers should be using whenever it comes to building memberships on the community side of it, the content side, everything and anything that you need to know about memberships, then uh, this is this is the place to be. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Let's, uh, let's get right into it with my buddy Mike Morrison from TheMembershipGuys.com. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Hey, today I'm joined by my buddy Mike Morrison from the membership guys, themembershipguys.com. Make sure you check out that site. So Mike is actually, I don't know, would you consider yourself a speaker? I speak okay. and have spoken, but I, I still shy away from, from anything that comes close to labeling myself as a speaker. Okay, well, I will brag on you for a second though. So Mike and I actually met a couple months ago over in the Philippines. He is not from the Philippines. You can hear he's got a, a sexy, soothing British accent that we're going to enjoy today. So he's across the pond over in the UK, but he and I were both speaking at a mutual friend, Chris Ducker's event over in the Philippines a couple months ago. And uh, so each of us spoke. There was, what, 10, 9, 10 speakers, something like that there? I think there were eight. eight. Nine if you include Ducker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So a handful of us. And I got to say, and I, I told I told Mike this there. Mike, I know he doesn't consider himself a speaker. He nailed it. I mean, for real. Like from a speaker who's seen a lot of speakers, Mike was extremely polished. He, you could tell he spent a ton of time on it and was really, really knew what he was talking about. And it was really well delivered, well practiced, well rehearsed. How much time would you estimate you spent on that talk and presentation? I spent a lot of time on that. And anytime I've spoken events before, I've kind of prided myself on just winging it. Yeah. Like, as in, I had the basic outline. I do the same with my podcasts, a few bullet points, and I just go. Yeah. But I think it was actually Chris raised the gauntlet of expectation on that and said, listen, this has got to be good. Yeah. I'm sharing a stage with someone who speaks and teaches speakers. Sure you can't suck. So I, I, I totally approached this differently. I spent a good couple of months writing, yeah. prepping, refining, and polishing that up. And the end result 
I was very happy with. I'm yeah. usually I usually am quite self-critical afterwards, but I was quite happy with it. I watched the recording back and was like, that was actually good. Yeah, I'm, pl- <laughs> I'm pleased with that. Good. Well, and I think that, and that's kind of the point I wanted to make was uh, I think most speakers approach, well, not most, but I think some speakers approach speaking, if you're just doing it every so often as a, I'm just going to show up and wing it. I know what I'm talking about yeah. and it'll, it'll be good enough. And if you do that, you're going to get that kind of result. Whereas you could really tell that you put the work and the effort into it and yeah. it really yeah. made a massive difference in the, the, the presentation, the quality of the presentation. So anyway, that's not at all what we're talking Thank about. You. I just wanted to give you some kudos <laughs> and a shout out on that. So all right, let's uh, let's back up here. So you run the membership, guys. We're going to be talking about membership sites specifically for speakers. And membership sites is something that people are probably intrigued by. Some people are going, I'd like to add this into my, my speaking business in some way. I speak to a lot of audiences. I'd love to build some type of recurring revenue. But at the same time, if we back up a step, there's going to be people who are going, I have no idea what you're even talking about with membership sites. So can you give us some context of when we're talking about a membership site, what, what are we even referring to? I mean, uh, essentially, membership sites basically any website that has some form of premium content that requires an account to access it, to okay. consume it. So technically, Netflix is a membership site, Amazon Video, Amazon Prime, plenty of fish, Match.com, Tinder, all that. It's <laughs> not that I have experience of those. <laughs> all of those technically are membership sites. When you hear people talking about them in terms of online business models, typically what they're referring to is a website that has some form of e-learning usually mixed with some form of community it's not always both sometimes it's just content sometimes it's just community and usually it's something that you pay a monthly subscription for typically around about the 30 to 60 dollars a month mark so whenever you hear wild membership site is it is a catch-all it applies to things like online courses and all that sort of stuff usually e-commerce and community is what people are actually sorry e-learning and community is what people are actually talking about in the online space yeah and i think if we were all to look at our monthly bank statements i think we would all see we're actually all probably part of several membership sites or some type of recurring thing like you mentioned netflix yeah. as an example that something that you're, you're paying for access to on a monthly basis and, and form of digital content now that may be in the form of, of movies or tv shows but it may be like you said from a, a speaker perspective or from a, a non- online entrepreneur perspective some type of teaching or training that you're doing on a regular basis yeah. for whatever the topic is that you you teach yeah it's you know it's usually content coaching community some sort of combination of those three things and uh, yeah usually there's some designated kind of authority or expert behind it as opposed to just being a general all-purpose you know, website and uh, yeah it's kind of evolving and coming through as as one of the more favored online business models, I think, over the last five or six years. Now that everything seems to be moving towards subscriptions and recurring revenues, then the membership site space has definitely grown. What are some of the upsides to it? Because it is a very popular model, and there are certainly a lot of upsides. So I'm, I'm curious, what are the upsides and uh, also what are, what are the downsides to it? Yeah, I think the main draw of a membership site, uh, it's two words, recurring revenue. Yeah. You know, that sort of recurring revenue, especially if you're coming from somewhere where you're working with clients one-on-one and you're trading time for money. If you're successful with that, or if you're trying to grow, you just, you're always going to come to a point, no matter how many hours you work, whether you do weekends, whether you do 18-hour days, you're always going to be limited in some way by your capacity to take on new clients. So you're going to hit that brick wall. Not to mention crazy deadlines, crazy requirements, issues getting paid and all that sort of stuff that happens when you're, you're trading time for dollars. So 
things like membership sites where you get to work on a one-to-many basis, they kind of they remove that limit, they remove that ceiling. And memberships in particular, compared to online courses and stuff like that, the recurring revenue that that gives you, like that brings in this level of predictability, of stability that just doesn't exist with most of the types of, of business models. You can look at the numbers and you can realistically as realistically as possible, predict where your business is going to be one year down the line without it being the, the type of spreadsheet millionaire maths that uh, a lot of people do where if I just sell a thousand courses, I'll be a millionaire. Right. Uh, with a membership, the stability of of that, that accumulating recurring revenue just changes the dynamic of your business completely. Right, right. What are some of the, the downsides? Because you're, you're exactly right that there is the recurring revenue, that that's the, the predictable piece that most people are looking forward to. And, and, and even like you described, speakers at the end of the day were in a service-based business where we are yeah. still essentially trading time for dollars. And, and the nature of speaking is you, speakers can get paid really, really, really well, but you're still chasing each gig. And after one gig's yeah. done, you still have to go find the next one and the next one and the next one. And, and, it, be, and it can definitely become difficult and tiring. So, so there's certainly a, the upside of the recurring revenue. What are some of the downsides? The main downside, and this is possibly the area that's glossed over by most people when they're talking about things like memberships, is that it still involves work. You know, if you want people to pay you on an ongoing basis, you need to deliver value to them on an ongoing basis. That usually means creating new content, showing up every day in your community, actually helping people to get the results they join your your site for. You know, nobody joins a website because it's got the most courses. They join because they think, okay, I've got a problem, I've got an outcome that I want, and this membership community is going to help me to get there. So your role as a membership site owner is to facilitate that journey, is to deliver the value, deliver the content, deliver the support. That's going to help people get those outcomes. So it's work. It's enjoyable work. It's it's work that can be more rewarding financially as well as you know all those fuzzy feel-goods from helping sure. hundreds of thousands of people but it's still work nonetheless. And a lot of people aren't necessarily expecting that because there's plenty of people out there shilling $2,000 courses and all that nonsense, trying to sell this dream that running a membership site means you're going to be kicking back on a beach, sipping cocktails and just watching your bank account fill up. It's just not how it is. It's a business model at the end of the day. Right, right. I think that's such a great point that the as much as we'd like for it to be this set it and forget it type thing, that it's still, like you said, just because they signed up and you got and they, they paid for month one doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to pay for month two or, or anything yeah. after that. So yeah, it's, it exactly. seems like it's a, it's a lot of work to continue to keep people engaged long term. And um, the thing is, it's, you know, they, it is still work and memberships, they're definitely a marathon. They're not a sprint. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Getting that first sale, for a lot of things, if you're selling products or if you're in a service business, getting that sale is the end. It's the finish line. It's what you're working towards. With a membership, that's when things start. It's the firing pistol. You've got to get that sale over and over again, month after month, year after year. So it is ongoing work, but it doesn't have to be a lot of work. It doesn't have to be hard work. Every new piece of content, every new tool, every discussion that goes into your membership adds permanent value to that right. product. And so over time, you know, just without necessarily having to add content after content after content after content, there's still you you're building up the the value of your your main product, your main asset. Right. 
And as you grow your community, that's adding value as well because there's more people in there to answer questions, to keep people engaged and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's more about that just continuous and ongoing improvement and continuously showing off for people. But that doesn't mean just churning out mountains of content. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to you know work yourself into the ground delivering that value. It's still probably one of the lighter workloads involved in in running a membership compared to other types of businesses. But again, it's definitely not set them Right. So here's one thing I'm wondering about is there's a lot of speakers who know what they want to speak on. There's some that are still kind of figuring out. It's still kind of fuzzy. Are there some topics that lend themselves better to membership sites than others or even some industries? Meaning that we, you and I come from an online entrepreneurial type space where this membership model is very, very common. But I know a lot of the speakers that listen to the show and speakers that we work with speak in more, let's say, a corporate environment where they're speaking to human resources departments and, and or they're speaking to you know sales managers you know, or customer service agents in more of a corporate type setting. Do you think a membership model works well in that setting if that's more of who they're speaking to? It can be challenging, honestly, in in selling in a membership to the corporate crowd because ultimately your end user or your desired end user and the person who pays the bill usually aren't the same. You know, if you want to teach sales skills, the people who you would want logging into your membership and taking part in the community, they are the people there on the front lines actually selling stuff, but they're probably not going to, to pay for it themselves. Yeah. There's certain industries certainly where, you know, you will get, people in the, the corporate chain and in jobs where they will invest themselves into CPD, into continuously studying and taking courses and enrolling in memberships. But that's definitely not in, in every company. So there's ways and means of approaching this. You know, there are some memberships where what they will do is they will sell corporate packages. So they'll go in and they'll sell a certain number of seats mm-hmm. that they just make that arrangement with the head of training or something like that, and then they get their their people involved. But for that, you really need to have some form of signature system. Yeah, Something that a corporate training department can't just kind of say, well, why don't we just teach this ourselves or come up with our own thing or bring someone in to do a one-day workshop. So it's definitely a much harder sell into, into the corporate world. Also partly because the concept, it's not a mainstream concept. You know, memberships, as a market, it's still a fairly cottage industry yeah. uh, compared to an online course. I mean, you know, so many companies aren't even embracing e-learning in any form, let alone trying to get them into a membership. So it can definitely be tricky to sell into into uh, a corporate space. There's definitely scope outside of the teaching people to make money online sure, sure. world that memberships are often associated with. Creative industries do very well with memberships. Music instruction in particular does extremely well with membership. Some of the most successful ones out there are teaching people how to play instruments and all that sort of stuff. Weight loss is obviously another big one. But yeah, corporates can be a very hard sell, but there's no reason you can't have a weight loss membership. And we've had a client in the past who did this, have a weight loss and fitness membership that you then sell into a large company to provide to their their employees as a perk. Right. But uh Corporate world tends to be quite 
far removed from a lot of what's going on online anyway and i don't think we're there that well, yet there yet well much. i think you make a good point though that you have to kind of you, you have to really distinguish who your end user is versus who your buyer mm. is and it can be very yeah. similar in the speaking space of who is actually sitting in the audience listening to you speak may be very very different than who's the person that decided to book you and and write the check yeah. so very very different there but again just making sure you're distinguishing who you are, are selling to you touched on this earlier but you said most membership sites include content community and coaching. Can you dig into that a little bit more in terms of if I know like, all right, I, I'm, I want to do a membership site. I feel like my industry, my market's a good fit for this. What should go in there? And sometimes we we think that the the more stuff we have, the better. And the more courses yeah. we have or the more bells and whistles we have, you would probably disagree with that. But chime in there. What, what should go in there? How do we know it should go in and how much should go in? No, I think the natural assumption is, okay, to deliver value, I've got to have the most stuff. I've got to have the most content. And that's very rarely the way to go. You know, you, you want to make it clear that there's value in there. And, you know, it's a, it's a cliched old saying, but people come for the content but they stay for the community. So you need to have that headline content to, to really draw people in, but that doesn't mean just churning out course after course after course, because you're going to end up overwhelming your members. They're not going to know where to start. They're not going to know if they complete one course, what happens next. Right. You're going to burn them out. More importantly, you're going to burn yourself out. Right. You, you don't do a service to your members if you end up hating and resenting the idea of actually showing up in your community. So content's important, but it's more about identifying the problems that your, your members have and delivering a solution. You can solve their problem with a five-minute tutorial video. Do a five-minute tutorial video. Don't try and find a way of blowing it up into a five-hour-long course just because it adds more bells and whistles and more stuff into into your membership. Uh, It's got to work for your members. It can't be overwhelming for them, but it also definitely can't be overwhelming for you because most of the value that, that you can deliver in your membership comes down to you consistently showing up, even just to welcome new members to the community or to answer a question or just have a presence, especially if if you're a thought leader or an expert, a lot of people join just to swim in the same waters as you. So you can deliver so much value just being there and interacting with your community than shutting everything out so you can work on the next 10 hour long course that nobody's going to watch because you've already got way too much content. Right. I think like, even if you think about it from our own perspective, if you're an end user and you're looking at a tool that will get you the solution in, in one hour versus the tool that will get you the solution in 10 hours, 10 hours yeah. probably has a lot more bells and whistles to it. But like, I want the solution in one hour. I don't want to spend 10 times the time on it to get that end result. So you mentioned that for whenever you're setting up some type of a membership site to have basically thinking through like, what's the end result that you want people to have? But it feels like it's a bit of like a, a catch-22 of... If I solve their problem, then they're not going to need the membership anymore. But ideally, I'd like to keep them around long term. So how do you find that balance there? I mean, if they come and I solve their problem on month one and they're like, all right, peace out. I got what I needed. Kind of, I don't know. It's a win for them, but it hurts you on, on businesses. So how do you balance that? It is, yeah. And that comes down to knowing what the next problem is and the next problem and, you know, the next step of that journey. Yeah. If someone can extract all the value that's possible to extract from your membership within the space of a month, it probably shouldn't be a membership. It should probably just be a course. Now, we talked about the fact people will stick around for the community and and all of that, but that's a slower burn. You know, 
when people start to build up relationships and connections within a community with other members, they'll stay around in that community long past the point at which they've needed your content. Because obviously, if you're, you're creating courses or tutorials, you can, there's only so specific you can go. So you'll probably cover 70 to 80% of what someone needs, but then they'll have those little idiosyncrasies with their own situation that they're only really going to get addressed by interacting in the community. So long game, your community is is what delivers the value and gives your membership that, that stickiness to it. But you certainly need to uh, have more than the ability to, you know, just serve someone with your content for a few weeks and then, then they're kind of done. So you need to think about what comes next, what comes next. If somebody, you know, with yourself, look at that whole journey, like that long game journey of a public speaker from someone who has literally never stood up and, and spoken in front of more than just one person through to somebody who is a battered veteran of, of the stages who maybe has a whole new set of problems and maybe just is able to adapt to changing technologies or young whippersnappers coming on stage in t-shirts and, and sneakers while he's been taught that it's all belt and braces. There's a lot of problems out there in the world. It's yeah. just really getting that bigger picture view of the full gamut of what you can do for people. And uh, yeah, and, and making sure that you're, you're serving those different segments within your your audience. Yeah, it definitely seems like when you, and I think this is true for anybody in business, that when you solve one problem, you're opening <laughs> opening the door to a whole nother set oh, yeah. of problems that you didn't yeah. even realize like are, are behind the curtain there. One of the things that you, you touched on was the importance of community. Should we, from a practical standpoint, should we be doing that in the form of a like a private discussion group or should that be in a, a Facebook group or a Slack channel or, or what should that look like from an execution standpoint? Yeah, I'm a big fan of traditional forum software part of that is because that that was kind of where i made my bones in terms of my first ever online experiences so going back to the late 90s for me the internet was just discussion boards and forums yeah yeah. so uh, i've got a little bit of that bias there but also i think you know facebook groups social media groups and all that they're great for some uses i like free facebook groups as almost a a lead-in community Mm -hmm. to your paid membership but when people are actually paying you for that community, I don't think Facebook groups or Slack channels or anything like that, actually, I don't think it, it makes the grade for a paid offering for a variety of reasons. You don't want to build on somebody else's turf right? because then a major part of your paid asset, especially if your, your business becomes largely, like if it's 100% your membership, if that's all your business is, then is your community is probably the biggest asset you have. Handing over control of that to Mark Zuckerberg and his band of merry men isn't something that I think anyone should ever do. You are completely subject to their whims. And so if they decide tomorrow that groups just aren't important or that they're going to get rid of them. And this has come from someone who got burned. Like one of my earliest activities online when Facebook first came around uh, on the business front was I, I was creating these um, apps for Facebook where you used to be able to like add stuff onto your profile page. It was a bit more like MySpace. Mm-hmm. So I would do all those cheap and cheesy apps like which 80s, which 80s movie star are you? And it was basically like... You were that Chuck. guy. I was that guy, <laughs> right? But then overnight, they, they disappeared. Yeah. That was just wiped out because Facebook made a decision. You don't want the same thing potentially happening with your group, especially now. And this is, this is coming true now. 
They've started testing ads in groups. They've started messing around with the algorithm. You know, groups were the last haven where your newsfeed wasn't being screwed with. They're doing that now. And so just on that alone, the idea that there's even the remotest possibility that a brand new member could join my community and I would not see them ask the first question they've ever asked in my group because Facebook decided it wasn't important for me to see that. That makes it a complete no-go. The idea that someone's going to hide content from me or prioritize content on my behalf. So for paid members, I don't think it's, it's good enough. A private forum, usually it's not going to get as much activity. This is usually the argument for Facebook groups. Well, everyone's on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. But the quality of discussion, the ability to retrieve and to reference past discussions, it's just not there. With a forum, someone asks a question that's been answered before, it's quite easy to link them to that thread. If someone's searching for a topic, they can find an old discussion, they can reignite it, they can get what they need from there. So I much prefer both the control and the user experience of a of a hosted forum platform. And um, in terms of software, there's one called IP Board. Uh, I think they tweaked the name to Envision, Envision Community Suite. They're the best solution. What about software just in terms of overall membership sites? What do you recommend? Like I remember for me, membership sites from outside looking in felt very complicated. But the reality is, is it's for most people, it's a WordPress site that you're putting a plugin on. So could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, um, I think, you know, again, it kind of comes down to owning your own business assets. So using a, a website that lives on a hosting service that you pay for, that you have access to the files and all that sort of stuff. I prefer that over using a third-party platform. There's a lot of great platforms out there, Rainmaker, Kajabi, and all of that, but I still think you should have control over your business asset. That's yours. You don't want to put it in someone else's turf. So on that front, in terms of what you use, like WordPress, is, it's powering 27% of all websites today. And as a result of that popularity, it's it's got the largest range of options when it comes to creating membership websites. There's other ways you can go, but you're going to be more limited. The WordPress has just got dozens and dozens of different membership plugins. So you've got more chance that you'll find one that you need. And you know whatever the specifics of how you want your site to work, chances are one of those plugins will do it. So that's typically why we go with WordPress. You're also, you know, you only need to throw a stone online and you'll hit five people who can help you with your website if it's on WordPress. Designers, proper full-blown developers, or even just VAs who who kind of know the system. They're not necessarily coders, but they know the system. You're never going to be short on options for, for tech support. So yeah, WordPress with a membership plugin is typically the way that uh, we prefer, and it's the way that most of our members go as well. There are dozens and dozens of membership plugins, and I know there's pros and cons between all of them. So you uh, you got a favorite child? I shouldn't. We try as hard as we can to remain well, platform actually, agnostic. I, I, tell, I tell you what, though, you have a. Um, I've seen it before. You have that PDF comparison chart that is we insanely do. in depth. So uh, yeah. l- let's just let's skip to that. Where where can we find? Maybe explain what it is and where can we find it? Because that, yes. that that's a really thorough overview. Yeah, it is. And and that really is because uh, we I have my personal favorite is the plugin that we use for our own membership site. But if you've got just one requirement slightly different from the requirements we had, then that could completely rule that uh, that plugin out. Yeah. So, you know, it 
the choice of plug-in really does depend. It's kind of like asking what's the best car. You know, yeah, there's some that are objectively better than others, but if you can't drive stick or if you need to seat five children in the back, then that narrow, narrows your options down. So it really does depend on your specific needs requirements. Um, that's where you have to start. Make two lists. We always tell people have a list with two columns, one side, write down your must-haves, absolutely can't do without. So usually that's a case of I need it to work with PayPal or I need to work with Stripe. I need to work with Infusionsoft. On the other side, write down this, the nice-to-haves but the compromises because, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have to compromise. And then you can use something like our guides, which can I plug it? Can yeah, I say what? please do. Yeah, it's at themembershipguides.com forward slash plugin hyphen comparison and we basically rounded up i think we're at 14 maybe of the best membership plugins on the market and we've just broken it down feature by feature which plugin has what feature so you can take your list of your must-haves and your nice-to-haves and just cross-reference against this that'll probably help you narrow it down to maybe two or three and then it's really a case of looking at okay well how much does it cost How good is the support? We always recommend people test out the the support staff before you actually buy a plugin because it can make or break your experience. And uh, yeah, that should that should get to where you want to be. Yeah, I would definitely encourage people to check that out. So again, the membershipguys.com slash plugin dash comparison. That's the Damn. one. All right, definitely check that out. All right, so let's talk about this. So if someone's going, okay, I'm in, I want to do this membership thing. How do I even get members? Where does that even begin? Now, and, and especially if you've got any ideas on, from a speaker standpoint, because we're interacting with audiences in a live setting on a regular basis, what yeah. are the thoughts on, on how to drive people back to a membership side of someone saw me speak, they like it, they want more. What should be the, the, the process from there? Yeah, I mean, on, on that front, in terms of how speakers can get members, I, I think it largely comes down to just weaving your membership site into everything that you're doing. So if you're using stories and examples and case studies or anything like that, have them be people that come from your membership. You know, Feature your members in your content, in your presentations, in your talks as much as you can. So, you know, I mean, the topics you're talking about and your membership should, I would expect just align yeah like yeah. like hand in glove so the opportunities to organically bring your membership into the conversation without every five minutes in your talk going and by the way if you want more information on this <laughs> check out membersiteacademy.com you know you bring it in so even it's just you know this is a question that comes up all the time inside our membership right. like just that saying and this goes for podcasting it goes for live stream or anything like that right. one of our members had this challenge and this is how they fixed it right. let me tell you the story about one of our members and then you go into it quite often just the awareness that you have a membership site and that it is so fully ingrained in what you do that it's not something you have to do a separate standalone pitch sometimes just bringing that awareness to light is is all it takes right. you know we saw a massive bump in in our numbers and we've seen it with clients we work with in the past when we raised the prominence of our membership throughout our website not even pitchy no clever stuff just making sure it was mentioned everywhere right. and i think the same goes if you're speaking if you're on a stage if you're on a podcast or anything like that try wherever you can to draw from your your membership and if you're going to events, if it's the right kind of event, the right kind of audience, try and get your members to go there too. Obviously, if you're if it's a corporate event and they don't work with that company, 
you're kind of limited. But if it's a conference, try and get some of your members in the audience as well so that you've got that built-in cheerleading squad. And, you know, we mentioned Chris Ducker earlier. Chris Ducker is the master at doing this. It's, like, sickeningly bad. I remember he he was at an event in Manchester over here in, in the UK. And what he did, this was just after he launched his Youpreneur community, he got these little bowler bands. I actually have a couple, like, behind me on my, my thing. He give, every time I see him, I come over pockets of these things. So he got these bowler bands and he gave them to every single person in the room. Yeah. These bowler bands have his membership site name on. And obviously his talk, he would bring up lots of mentions and all that sort of stuff. But anytime he did, can I ask you a question or, or raise your hand if you get all these shots of people with their hands raised with his branded bowler band around their wrist with his membership site name. Yeah. And, you know, it makes the guy look like He's just owning the place for his membership. So finding ways of, of getting your members along and, and involving them and stuff like that. I was at an event recently where someone actually brought up on stage. It was it was Mark Schaefer actually brought up on stage a couple of people um, within a, a membership community that he'd done some training for. And he was talking about their stories. And of course, by nature of the topic that was being discussed, the membership just kept getting mentioned over and over again. Right, right. Interesting. For people that are going, okay, I want to start a membership or I want to build on a membership, uh, what are some of those early mistakes that a lot of, of membership owners make that we can try to avoid? Yeah, the biggest one is rushing ahead. You see this all the time. People get this this nugget of an idea that they think is the best idea anyone has ever had. Yeah. And they're so desperate to make sure that nobody else has this idea, no one beats them to the punch, that they rush in, what membership plugin should I use? How long should my courses be? Do I get this fancy new camera to shoot my shoot my material? They get into doing that. They spend hours and hours, weeks and weeks, months and months, hundreds or thousands of dollars creating this product. Then they open the doors and it's just crickets, yeah. like crickets riding on the back of tumbleweeds. <laughs> across the never-ending desert of despair because <laughs> they never stopped at any point to actually research and validate and prove that anybody wanted what they were selling. Yeah. And it, it's kind of gutting because we see we are, we've got thousands and thousands of people in our free Facebook group. We've got well over a 1,000 in our community, and we see this happen. And it's, it's sad because had they, if we just take that little bit of time build a bit of an audience to speak to the people you actually want to sell to, yeah. to research it, what they want, what their problems are, figure out whether what you're doing is the right thing. You, you can't provide a solution if you don't actually understand the problem. People don't do that enough. They don't validate their idea and it ends up being a very costly mistake. How should we go about validating an idea? So if we're in that spot of going like, okay, I've got this idea, I got this idea. All right, here's something I speak on, and I think there's something there. But like you said, depending on the industry, it may or may not work really well. Yeah. Uh, what should that validation process look like to feel like if we if we're onto something or not? I mean, the ideal is you get someone to pay you. You get somebody put their hand in their pocket and pay you for one hour of consultation in which you address the same problem your membership will. Will address, or you get ten people to join you on an eight-week, uh, an eight-week live-delivered program that again follows the same sort of uh, principles, the same sort of ideas, the same learning outcomes as your membership will. Getting someone to put their hand in their pocket is the ultimate validation. 
you want you can do things like put up a waiting list page. So we always say as soon as you decided you want to create a membership site, put up a wait list page and start directing people on your list or on your audience to it just to gauge interest and capture the deals of anyone who uh, expresses an interest in, in your site. But again, if you can get someone to actually pay you something, it not only proves that there is a need for a solution to a problem, right. it also proves something that's possibly more important and often overlooked is your ability to compel, to reach those people and compel them into actually giving you some money. Because even if people are crying out for the solution you're bringing to market, if, you ha- if you're just not very good at reaching those people and motivating them to actually give you money you could have the best solution the best product in the world and nobody will join because you're the weak link there so you need to spend a few months and uh there's all sorts of exercises we this is a little bit of a cop out as well uh pat flynn wrote a great book uh, a year or two ago called will it fly mm-hmm. he literally wrote the book on idea validation there's a whole bunch of exercises in there i think it should be mandatory um reading prep work for anybody who wants to create a membership site or other types of products, but especially membership site, get that, do some of the validation exercises, get people to give you some money for solving the problem your membership will address. And uh, you're going to find yourself in a much better position when you actually dive into making it happen and building it out. Yeah, there's a big difference between someone saying verbally, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in that versus someone yeah. saying, no, I, I'm passionate enough about that or I need that help desperately enough that I'm willing to actually pay money for it. So there's yeah, a huge, all the, huge difference. Yeah, or they'll ask they'll they'll ask their friends and family. It's just like, you know, rehearsing your, your, your keynote for your yeah. friends and your family. They're either going to tell you it's the best thing ever. Chances are they're not going to understand it. Sure. Because sure. they're not top of the market. Or we always have that one friend who prides himself on being a straight talker and being a straight <laughs> shooter. And they're going to tell you it sucks even when it doesn't because, you know, they're edgy and they always. So <laughs> don't ask your, your husband, don't ask your wife, don't ask your kids, your Ignore those guys unless they happen to be your target market. And even then, still don't ask them because they're going to either want to spare your feelings or, yeah, or they're just going to want to break your back a little bit. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for hanging out with us, brother. Uh, I so appreciate you. I've, I've told multiple people since we met that uh, you are you are one of my favorite people online, and you're an extremely okay. likable, knowledgeable dude, and uh, I, I dig you. So if people want to find out more about you, you have an amazing site. Uh, the content's well done. The site is well laid out. Uh, I've referenced the site multiple times just to see, like, <laughs> we're working on a site redesign ourselves, and I'm, I'm always telling our designer, just go see what Mike does. Just do whatever <laughs> Mike does. And, but the thing is with that, yeah, I was looking on your site today, um, and usually, I, for some reason, I've only ever looked at your website on mobile, okay. like on, on my cell. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I only realized that today, and I caught your sign, and like, it's a really nice website. <laughs> Who designed this website? <laughs> so I think we, we all. We all are just envious of everyone else. We all want the shiny <laughs> thing someone else has. So, hey, if people want to find out more about you, especially uh, about the, the membership topic here, where, where can we go? Yeah, we do a lot of best stuff over at themembershipguys.com blog we podcast we've got a whole bunch of freebies for wherever you are in in the membership journey and we have our own membership about memberships over at membersiteacademy.com beautiful well we will link up to all of that in the show notes so i appreciate you uh taking a couple minutes to share uh some of your wisdom and knowledge with us my friend love it thank you for having me on 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike Morrison. Definitely check out what they're up to over at themembershipguys.com. Again, themembershipguys.com. Really, really good stuff. They got a great site over there. A lot of great content, podcasts, blog posts, really, really good stuff. So, hey, also let me remind you, if you haven't already, we definitely love for you to check out some of the free training that we offer over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is over at freespeakerworkshop.com. We walk you through a step-by-step plan and system on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So definitely check that out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 145. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.